Alright, what's going on? Welcome to Canel and Bell. Hanging out, Danny Canel, Rajah Bell on a Thursday. A ton to get to today. Uh, the college basketball games decided to move back three-pointer. I think it's a good decision. Right. Get into that. Uh, we got a Baker Mayfield. Oh, that was yesterday's show. I'm looking, I'm like teasing hey, stuff that was bro. awesome yesterday. No, the, 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 the basketball discussion is for today. later on yes, today. Right, right. And, uh, Kyrie Irving, could he be headed to the Brooklyn Nets? Possibly. And what would that mean for his future? But we have to get to the NBA Finals game three. Yeah. Was three. last night. It was like, yeah, it was. Toronto took control of the series. Mm-hmm. Um, We've never really had a significant bet on. It's a little, a little all over the place yeah, this right. morning. Let's I got Twitter it. beefs going on. Yeah. I got all kind of stuff going on. Um, we've never had a real bet on this show where we actually had a significant ad- a disagreement. I think we right. bet on the Hurricane Seminoles just because we had to. Yeah. I didn't think the Seminoles were going to win that game. I think we might have to have a bet on the NBA Finals from here on out because okay. – with the change in the series where Toronto has come back and taken control of it, they still home home court uh, advantage now. With the Warriors playing without Clay Thompson and Kevin Durant, you are all aboard the Toronto Raptors train. Uh, I yeah. am staying on the Golden State Warriors trains, and they will get their guys back. They are one of the best teams we've seen in the history of the NBA, and they will win the series. Uh, but before we do that side bet, which we'll get to later, yeah. last night's game, what did you notice when you were watching it aside from you just said, hey, Toronto's going to blow this team out? Yeah, that I didn't notice anything other than like Toronto's players felt like it looked like they felt like they weren't going to lose no matter what. There was very little pressure, it looked like, on what they were out there trying to accomplish. Um it's a safe space to look at another team and be like, hey, we're just way more talented than you. Like, you just don't have enough to beat us. And I feel like a lot of the Raptors looked at Golden State last night. And I want to give Golden State credit. And it's just a cliche thing. But they did play, like, with the heart of a champion last night. They didn't fold until really late in the game. They kept punching back. But it was obvious that the Raptors were like, look, dude, we're, we're better than you. We're going to beat you. You're too banged up. Um, the numbers bear that out. Not anyone who attempted a field goal from, for, for Toronto, every one of them shot 50% or better from the field. Like, that's an easy, you're out there throwing it. Maybe you could say it was Golden State's lack of defense and they're usually better defensively. Sure, you would lose something with Clay Thompson in that space. But I think overall it was Toronto real, real tall. Looking at that team and saying, like, you're just not going to beat us. You don't have enough. Correct. And they clearly did. They controlled the entire game. It never really was close. They jumped out to a 10-point lead. Golden State tried to mount some of those runs. I am a firm believer in this, that the NBA Finals are not won by the star players, even though they're the ones that get all the credit. Right. I think you knew you were going to get a strong performance from Steph Curry last night, and you knew you were going to get a strong performance from Kawhi Leonard. It was the role players. What role do they play in the success of the team? And if you look at the stat sheet from the Toronto Raptors, they got the perfect game oh, yeah. from up and down the lineup, mm-hmm. even going to the bench. If you look across the goal, Siakam gave you 18, solid performance. Kawhi, you know what you're going to get with him. He gave you 30. Gasol, 17. Kyle Lowry, 23. Danny Green, 18. Van Fleet, 11. Then you go look on the other hand, and you look at the the uh, Warriors box score. It's like Steph and nobody else Correct. chipped in. Um, and, and when you look at Toronto, I'll take it a step further. You got good numbers for them, but you got appropriate shot distribution. Right? Yes. Your leading shoot uh, attempts were was Kawhi. Right behind him was Pascal Siakam. Right behind him, Kyle Lowry. And you had Fred Van Vliet in that sweet spot of like eight or nine attempts. And Norman Powell. Like they were skewed in game three where you got Fred Van Vliet as a volume scorer shooting 17 shots to get 17 points. That's not a good look for Toronto. 
all of those guys were in their lane and they were productive in their lane. The problem for Golden State, and I think, you know, we talked about this off air. Let's, let, let's, let's use Draymond Green. Um, he's in a safe space when he plays with Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and, and, and Kevin Durant. Even if you subtract one of them from the equation, he's still in a good space for his specific skill set. And he's really, really good at what he does, but it's a role, he's a role player. Mm-hmm. He's just a really, really, really good, probably the best role player in the game. If you take what he does, right, and you put it on another team, and you say, okay, this, your specific game has to translate into winning games for us. It doesn't work. Like, he had that role last night. That was your platform. Like, no, real stars, like real, you know, bona fide number ones, take that opportunity, and they don't, they don't, they don't let you down. They're not throwing up air ball. They're not. Right. I, this isn't, He's just, he's brilliant at, in his role. He's just, you can't take that and make it a number one of a team and expect to win. Do you know what I mean? And so, you know, I agree with you. Like, you, the stars do what stars do. You're as good as like your number two, number three. And then if you can get any extra help from four, five, and six, right? Yep. But number twos and number threes are critical in, in playoffs and in, in championship series. You were all over this. You nailed it. So yesterday on our show, you said if Clay Thompson doesn't play, it's a wrap. Yeah. The Raptors are going to win. Uh, the, the 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 line the final closing line was the Warriors were still a two and a half point favorite. So disrespectful. You tweeted us. Uh, you text us. You don't have Twitter, uh-huh. but you got to be careful when you text stuff to us because I'll screen grab that, <laughs> which I did. But you texted our group chat from the show and you said there is zero chance that the Warriors win this game. Zero, all caps and exclamation point. Debo texted doesn't count unless you tweet it, and you said tweet that bleep for me one hundred. Yeah, and he did, and he did, and I had to go ahead and screen grab it and say right. it, and then you after the game you said zero. Right. <laughs> like there was zero chance that the Warriors going to win. So you have to watch out for that. Steph Curry was a one man show last night. After the game, he talked about playing without KD and Clay. Just go out and fight. Um, we did that tonight. We can play better, obviously, better on the, on the defensive end. Um, but I like the competitiveness that we had. Um, understanding, you know, like we're missing 50 points pretty much between KD and Clay. So, um, We'll we'll adjust and 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 it's a long series, you know. It's it's, it's going to be it's going to be fun for us. I I agree with a lot of what he said. I yep. thought they fought their tails off. I thought they could have been better defensively. We just talked about their, you know, the field goal percentage for Toronto. There's not much more they could do. They're, 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 they could do like Steph had 47. The rest of those right. guys just aren't like they're not scorers. They're not supposed to be in that space. Where I would disagree with him is. This doesn't have to be a long series. It really doesn't. Like, well, if, are you saying for the Warriors? For the Warriors, like you're, I feel like they made a huge assumption the Warriors that being last night. Like, now it's one of two case scenarios. Either A, and I touched, I talked about this. I felt like they had shut Clay down already yesterday. Right. I felt like he already knew that, right? I don't know because there were reports right before the game that Clay Thompson really wanted to play. He was pressuring the staff. And then it came down from on high that he wasn't going to play. And that, to me, tells me they were like, we're just going to sacrifice this game because we want him back healthy for the rest of the series. A lot of stuff we talked about yesterday and the dynamic to what goes into making that decision. Right. And they basically said, yeah, the Raptors are all right, but we can sacrifice a game, which is a dangerous thing to do that's, in an NBA final. That's what I'm talking about, right? So that's either, on your home court. So I believe, yeah, he definitely... I think the decision whether he was going to play or not had been made for him already. Like, and they were just kind of humoring him in terms of letting him go out there and see what he looks like. But that conversation had been, you know, had taken place already at the highest level, right? Either that or he was way more injured than, than anyone led us on to believe, right? In either case scenario, um, 
you've made the assumption that you're going to drop him back in and potentially get KD back in game four and everything is just going to click like magic and you're going to play the way you were playing at the end of the Portland series, um, or in, 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 um, in, in the Houston series and it's just going to look great. Like that's a huge assumption to make against a quality opponent like Toronto, right? Like you right. sacrifice this game. If he was 75% or more, which healthy, I think he was. You've sacrificed a game. These are the most valuable games. There are only seven of them potentially. You've given one of them up under the assumption that you're just going to win when you drop these guys. Kevin Durant coming off of a month not having played basketball. What do you think that's going to look like? Yep, a little sloppy. Yeah. And not only for him, but the offense. The offense. It's going to affect the ball flow. Right? Like that, you can't simulate. He has to go out there today and work out with Jaron Collins. Um, uh, right. Willie, Willie, uh, who's on the staff over? It's not Willie Mitchell, but, um, um, uh, I don't know. Like a few of their, a yeah. few of their coaches that play in the NBA. That's how he's supposed to get his run in to get Betty for an NBA finals. That's not Kawhi. Right. Like that's not Pascal Siakam. That's not the speed at which those NBA games are taking place. Now he's the best in the, on the planet, but you don't just come back after a month of, of not playing basketball and not even really being able to condition that leg and, and think it's just going to click. I think they were, they made a huge assumption last night. And I think it's going to bite him in their butt. You know what the perfect, um, Willie Green, yeah, that's my man, Willie Green. You know what the perfect example of what you're exactly what you're talking about? Look at Demarcus Cousins. Correct. Look, he was off for, and he was off for a lot longer than a month, but he's been trying to come back. He's been back for a while and he still doesn't look 100%. And right. he doesn't look like he's, re- he's, he's in the flow of an NBA basketball game. That was one of the reasons I still liked the Warriors last night because they still had three all-stars on the court. Now, Demarcus Cousins wasn't 100%, doesn't have his best game, just didn't look like he was comfortable in that spot. Not an all-star this year. Well, see, that's what Coca said. I'm saying, but he's a perennial all-star player when he's healthy. That That was my point. He's he's like at 65%. And I say that, I think he's one of the best bigs in the game. Me too. When he's healthy. That guy's playing at like 65%. Right. And I don't mean like he's still injured. I mean, his body physically is not ready for that condition to be doing what he's, what he normally does. Right. And I, took the assumption that, hey, he were going to get more out of him once you asked him to right. take that next step. And he couldn't – he, he was trying to hit that switch and couldn't get there. He had no pop, no bounce. He couldn't right. He couldn't get off the floor. The legs just didn't respond. And Draymond's only an all-star in that space that I just t- talked about earlier when he's got the other guys around him that can highlight what he does best, which is push the ball, assist, and, and he's really smart. But you got to have finishers around you for that to look really good. Yep. And in the absence of all those finishers, he's just a regular dude. If you told me KD and Clay were not coming back at all, of course I would say the Raptors I would then favored. I think the reason they sacrificed that game yesterday was to get Clay another day of rest, uh-huh. get KD. I, the KD thing is interesting. I have no clue if he's coming back or not. But I think if they do get Clay Thompson back, then I think the Warriors are back in the mix. It opens things up. You don't have to rely so much on Draymond and Boogie. You're getting, again, like you're getting, oh, here's what doesn't happen. You don't go from being 60% yesterday to right. being 100% tomorrow. The game's tomorrow. Right. 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 So that never happens. It can't, it's impossible. So you're bringing back Clay. And again, you're making a huge assumption. You bring him back tomorrow at 72%. You think that's going to give you, like, that's not getting you over the hump. I just, those games are too valuable. Now, I understand Steph got up and said, you know, cooler heads prevailed and wisdom prevailed. And I understand the logic behind it. Typically, if I were in, in one of those offices and you told me we played on, on Wednesday and the next game wasn't until like Saturday or Sunday, probably Sunday more, more often, I'd say, all right, it might be worth it. Like if he's at 65, 70% to shut him down for this one game, cause I'm going to buy him four more days of rest. There can be a significant change in a hamstring injury in four days of rest, right? Two days of rest. 
not that I much don't think so. Right. Not and no matter how much stem you do, ice, whatever no. treatment you can do, it's not going to get that much better. I am pretty confident. I have the mindset that Draymond Green does. Yeah. Here's his plan for the rest of the uh, NBA Finals. You know, no one cares that guys are hurt. Everybody wants to see us lose. So I'm sure people are happy they're hurt. We just got to continue to battle and win the next game, go back to Toronto, win game five, come back to Oracle, win game six. Easy peasy. And then celebrate. There you go. You can make a shot. Fun times ahead. Easy peasy. Look at that. That's the plan. That's you just, go out and yeah, just rattle off three in a row. Win three in a row. That's all you got to do. Um, I love it. I think this is the best thing that's happened to the NBA, the fact that guys are hurt, because a fully loaded, healthy Warriors team would destroy this Raptors team. But the fact that they are banged up makes it a lot more compelling. Yeah, I mean. It makes them more vulnerable. I think you hit something on the head there. Like, the Golden State is clearly the better team. Yeah. Right? I mean, the, the fact yeah. that they're even in these games right. and they've even won a game with the, with the depleted lineup that they have is pretty remarkable. But I do think it's interesting because I am not a Golden State hater. But because I worked for the Cavs, um, you know, I, I developed a little distaste for Golden State because we were competing against them. Yeah, they're right? arrogant. They're, they're right. Like that attitude right there. Yeah. No biggie. But their circumstances this postseason, I'm kind of rooting for them. Like I, my son asked me this morning, my younger one, my Zen, and he said, Dad, who do you want to win? And I found myself for the first time ever saying, you know what? Kind of pulling for Golden State. Like it's it's interesting how they've kind of – Gone from being the villain to now you kind of have some sympathy for him and you want him to, you know, you want to see him healthy and see what they can do. So that's an interesting thing to me. I think I you're in the minority. I think most people are rooting for the Raptors. They want to see somebody new at the table. If yeah. you talk about the flow of the sports cycle last year at this time, people hated Kawhi Leonard. I can't believe he's forcing his way out. True. He's screwing over the Spurs. He's faking an injury. Yeah. He wants out. And now everybody's rooting for him. Like, yeah, hey, yeah. I want him to take down the, uh, take down the Warriors. And then you know what's going to be even crazier? Next year, when he leaves when Toronto, he everybody's like, I can't believe that's such a selfish <laughs> player. He's leaving that team. But it is. It's kind of the cycle of, uh, sports talk, the way yeah. it works and the pins of people that are out there. Uh, Toronto was incredibly balanced. They, I, see, that's the thing. I don't know if they get that type of balance again in Golden State. So I think they'll go back and I think they're going to be down. I think it's going to be tied up. Listen, man, you don't, you don't typically you you have like you have to cat you have to take advantage of moments right like timing is everything right so you get some of those guys and we talked about it we were doing a little pod an NBA pod with Joey and and Reed Forgrave yesterday and um I was talking about some of these guys from Toronto being affected by Golden State and I I didn't talk about this on air here but when we played with the Cavs Golden State's phenomenal they'll heckle you outside your hotel right they'll line the streets of your bus route to Oracle. For, for blocks and blocks and blocks and be heckling and yelling at your bus. It's phenomenal, right? The fans there are as good as fans anywhere. That building is loud. I thought that there was a real opportunity yesterday for some of those guys to kind of be unnerved. Not Danny Green necessarily or Kyle Lowry or, or, um, or, or, or Kawhi, but, or even Serge Baca. Right. But, but guys like Younger Fred Van Vliet, yeah. Norman Powell, guys that, that haven't ever been in that space before. You, if you were Golden State, I felt like you had to come out all guns blazing. And that does mean playing Clay if he was at 75% or better and capitalize on that moment. Boom. Your first time on the stage, you're going to be shook and we're going to make you shook. But because there was nobody out there playing, all of those dudes were like, this is cake. We're good. Splash. Right. right? And you don't get to put that back in the bag. Like, right. so now they're comfortable. And when they come out in game four, They've proven to themselves they're, they yes, win on they're the over that hurdle. Yep. Like, and all those guys who might have had a question about whether that stage was, you know, 
going to be okay for them to be good on, they've proved it to themselves. They're going to be decent. Now, they might not shoot 50%, but they're not going to be rattled. You missed your opportunity to have them rattled. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. CBS Friday. TV's hottest show is Fire Country. I'm not a hero. I'm in orange for a reason. They're taking 12 months off your sentence. You're free. Lady. With a special epic season finale. Now that I'm out, I need something to get me up in the morning. You are a firefighter. You speak. That will be unforgettable. In the name of your life's happiness, go get your girl. She's getting married tomorrow. Says, when do you let anything get in the way of what you want? The Fire Country season finale. Friday, 9, 8 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Uh, you just read uh, your news in 90 there, and it said Desmond Harrison cut by the Browns for missing a flight, which missed, caused him to miss the mandatory minicamps. Yeah. This is that situation. I've always, I'm a firm believer. You want to make it hard for teams to cut you? Yeah. Not easy. This Correct. is making it real easy. He's not, he wasn't cut because he missed it. He was probably one of those guys who was on the line, like he only played eight games last year. Maybe he had to fight to earn his job this year. Yeah. Maybe he was a little bit of a knucklehead, maybe late a couple times. And then he did this. This was the final straw. Like, cause I, a lot of people saw out there like, oh, you know, he's, he's cut because he missed the flight. No, this was a, a merging of events that all came together. An accumulation of, 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 yes. look, you gotta know who you are. Yes. If you're on pins and needles with a team, <laughs> right, exactly. you better get the flight in the night before. Right. Make sure you're sitting in the bed waiting. Lesson up in the number morning. one, leave Correct. a little leeway. Right. You, you can have some room Correct. for error, especially traveling on certain airlines. I won't say which ones, but you never know. Weather issues, you got to give yourself some time. I was a two-day, like three-day before camp started guy, right? Yep. I'm in there. I might get I want to get my routine. In. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Get, get a lay of the land, uh. the locker room, make sure my shoes are good, <laughs> all of those, like everything. I want right. to make sure it was good so right. there wasn't any anxiety right. when practice actually started. Uh, Yahoo Sports uh, is reporting Chris Haynes uh, that Clay Thompson will play in Game Four. Does that change your mind at all? I'm, I'm down. You oh, don't back down from your Raptors bet. No, it does. I mean, I don't know that it's changing my mind um, because again, I'm. Well, I just think it's silly. If if he can play tomorrow night, then he could have played last night. If he could play tomorrow night, then he could have played last. I don't night. think it was silly. I think it was arrogant. It was arrogant. Okay. I think it was arrogant. arrogant. I, I, and, and maybe it ends up biting them in the long run if right. they do lose this game and he's back. But I think it was arrogant. Did I think, that, and I think face? they are arrogant. Did you see his face sitting on the bench? Yeah. He did not co-sign on that. Exactly. He That's, was like, I want to be out there playing and, you know, again, so. I think it's arrogance. I think it's arrogance of, I think it's Steve Kerr. I think it's the front office. I think it's them saying, we're good enough. We can, we can forfeit this game. We're basically spotting the Raptors again. And I think That's it's also, hey, maybe we get hot. Maybe the Raptors can't handle the situation. Stop maybe it. we do it. But ultimately then, I think it was arrogance. Grossly over, uh, overestimated your team minus those two dudes. So if, if we're operating, um, under the assumption that he could have played last night and they, their arrogance, uh, kept him out of the game. That would lend me to believe that he's 75%, 80%. So it's not that bad. If he comes back and he's healthy, 
It's a different story. Like Golden right. State, but now if it was a situation where I think he really maybe, couldn't play last night, right. I don't expect him to be really good tomorrow night. Right. In that I space, I think close. Toronto could probably be. I think I think Clay Thompson was really close, probably eighty five percent, ninety percent, and I think they said, "Nope, we want you a hundred percent. We want to make sure so we have you fully healthy the rest of the series." I actually, because again, I said I'm kind of pulling for them, so yeah. I actually hope it works out. Yep. I'm saying like. You don't give away NBA final games to, uh, like when people are marginally injured. Have you seen how Kevin Durant, after every game, he was celebrating, talking trash with Drake, uh, at Drake when they won in Toronto. Last night, he was one of the first guys in the tunnel to welcome them back. Do you yeah. take anything into that? Like, hey, maybe he's staying? Because I've heard some people in our business saying, wow, I didn't realize they were that close. He's that invested. Doris Burke was reporting during the game yeah. that he was watching and cheering and yelling at the game uh, behind, you know, in the back, like really invested in the game. I don't think you can read anything into like his investment in the team's run for another championship. I mean, right. he's on this team. Right. He's won championships with them. They've been on this 100 game quest to win another one. Like, yeah, sure. He's invested. You know, that's not surprising to me. I mean, Cause I, some I, I, were, did anyone I, were, were people were operating under the assumption that he didn't like his teammates? I think so. I think a lot of people were under that assumption. Remember he got remember the the argument with Draymond earlier in the season. That when stuff Draymond happens gets, man. exactly. But see, I think that's where people don't understand what it's like in an, an NFL or an NBA locker room or right. an MLB clubhouse. There's just a unique dynamic. It's very family oriented. Like you could have an argument with your brother or your sister, and right. you could feel like you want to kill him one second. And then you're just all behind you because it's blood, right? right? You're going right. to be able to get over it. And I think people have a hard time separating that because people in the real world work circumstances, uh, in their office, they might have somebody they can't stand and they might have an issue with them and they're yeah. never getting over it. Right. And, uh, and well, usually there are like... some cases where there are bad relationships, of course, but for the most part, guys can have disagreements and get past it. Absolutely. And it's not a big issue. He, uh, he look. And even he brought that up. He said, man, y'all are trying to separate us. Remember that? He said, they asked him a question. It was like, what does the rest of the team feel? And they, the way they posed the question, they made it sound sure. like he wasn't on the team. He's like, sure. hold on a second. He's like, you mean us? You right. mean we? And I thought it was a good catch for him to it, kind of catch the media in a it, bad spot. It wasn't really surprising for me to see him out there invested, talking to Steph, uh, giving him some pointers. Like he, he's on this quest with them. Whether or not he decides to stay there or not, I don't, I don't think you can read into his, his engagement with the team right now, uh, as giving you any indication of what he's going to do next year. I don't, I don't think that's fair. All right. Uh, so Kyle Lowry had a really strong performance last night. Uh, there was a circumstance that happened in the game, which I think was really unfortunate. And Kyle Lowry is chasing the ball out of bounds, does the thing where he leaps in the stand. Yeah. And then this dude who was standing right there who could have helped catch him as fans sometimes do, yep. gave him a little shove in the back. Kyle Lowry did not like it. Uh, when keeping it real goes wrong. Exactly. Dude gets walked out with his little Golden State Warriors shoes on there. Are those Jordan 1s on yeah, there? The Golden I, State one? I don't know. So he's obviously and a tryhard. Like, yeah, 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 he's a tryhard. He's a super fan. Thinks he actually is impacting the game there because he's sitting courtside. Gives uh, Kyle Lowry the little shove. And then gets ejected from the game. Kyle Lowry, after, was asked about it and said he should never be allowed to come back to a game. I think I probably fall somewhere in the middle. I mean, I thought the guy's shove should absolutely get him ejected. I think he should probably be suspended for some amount of time. Maybe it's the rest of these playoffs. I don't think it was that big a deal. Oh, you ducked up. <laughs> you ducked up, bro. As soon as you made your mind you were going to shove Kyle Lowry, you ducked up. Like he, True. You got no business shoving him. Right? True. You just don't. Agreed. 100% you no business agreed. shoving him. And here's what I'm going to say to you. Like, I can't say unequivocally that I would sign off on banning him for life. The NBA has to set a real strong precedent and send messages for fans 
They do it with their players. They have no problem setting those, uh, drawing those lines in terms of what you can and can't do and these huge suspensions and fines that are going to come down because of it. You got to do the same with those fans. That is, that is a workplace. It has to be a safe environment for a player, right? And while that wasn't an egregious act, you didn't punch him in the face or anything like that. You stop it before yep. it starts. He's, he, he, there have to be some serious ramifications for that dude. You know what the NBA needs to do? And I know they have the code of conduct for fans. Uh, cause they've had three instances this year that I can recall that have been fan related. You had the little kid that touched Russell Westbrook. Right. Remember? And like Russell turned around and was like, yeah. oh, wait, what like are you doing? Like control your son, right. You had the guy throwing, uh, racist insults at Russell Westbrook in Utah, which we talked a lot about. Yep. And now you have this one. I think the NBA just needs to come out with policies. Hey, if you lay hands, if you touch a player, right, you will be banned for whatever a year, yeah. and, and make a make a set rule Absolutely. so that fans know. Hey, if a guy's in my vicinity, just because he falls on me and maybe he knocked over my wife or whatever it was, he's not trying to do it intentionally. It's part of the risk of sitting there in the front row. Correct. That's You've an inherent risk it. when you buy a ticket to a basketball game that someone could be in the th- and and yeah. What a fan's gonna he, that guy's gonna be like, oh, I didn't really. You shoved him. Right. Like, and come on. Like, if, they, if totally... he falls on you and you're defending yourself and you're helping him up or you're like you know facilitating him getting back on the court that's one thing you shoved him bro here's what happens too this is where fans get a little bit delusional and you hear it all the time in conversations when i get it on my radio show when fans call in and they'll be a raptors fan and they'll say we or you know they refer to themselves as we which i'm okay with them doing that but sometimes fans think they really are a part of the team and impacting the game and this guy's like hey drake is a great example he thinks he's impacting the series and he's one of the players and this fan probably feels like I'm a warrior. I got my Jordan ones, you know, like I'm a, I'm a, I'm, and the Golden I'm rolling stocks. deep, you know, like he right. thinks he's one of them. And he probably every once in a while gets a high five from the guys as they're walking by and he thinks he's one of them. And so he's like, yeah, this, he can't come on the get out of here. Yeah. And they just get delusional. Like they think they're one of the players. So you do have to send a clear message. Yeah, you do. Yeah. I mean, uh, again, because worst case, what happens if Kyle Lowry, who thank goodness a lady was there, like the guy's wife or whoever was, was there, patted him on the back. And Kyle Lowry probably realized really fast. Yeah. All right, this could get worse. Let me just say something. I'll get out of here. But what if he would have pushed him back? You know what happens? What then? did we say? What, what, what was the thing Silver. that we told uh, Zeke Elliott? What was the phrase we used? With keep, Zeke it keep it moving. That's where Thank Kyle Lowry goodness. was. Keep it Thank moving. goodness Kyle Lowry kept, kept it moving. Because right. if he didn't, it would have been ugly. And that's the type of thing that Adam Silver needs to get out in front of. Absolutely. So that it doesn't happen Absolutely. again. One hundred percent. So we'll have to see. We'll keep you updated on what happens to that fan. Did uh, you see the comedian who came out? Like I saw it on World Star, where the guy he was going on this rant on his podcast about Drake and and his super fandom or or his his uh yeah portrayal of being a super fan and he yep. was saying like he's absolute like antithesis of a super fan like he's a super bandwagon fan right you know what i mean but yeah, like, he it is if you phenomenal. look at all the teams that he has supported they've in large part been like on the cusp of a championship yeah. and that's why he gets the drake curse because he always right when he hops on is when they start to lose right the <laughs> real super fan in toronto yeah is the guy it's, who sits he sits baseline dude, right i don't like he's been at those games from yep. from whenever i used to talk to him when i was on the 01 sixers team and he's at every one of their games nav that nav is that his name nav. yeah, that's yeah. His name. like he is you their always super see fan. his turban like you always see it and he's very recognizable but he is always there always there because drake ain't there at every home game Correct. he's gonna show up for the big game nav is the, the prime time game yeah absolutely this is. dude's point was well taken and i hadn't re- like Sometimes entertainers, like, you, you take for granted that they, like, they, they might not have any insecurities and stuff. A lot of people entertain, but there, there's an insecurity about them, right? right? It's about the attention. I think that's Drake, right? Like, well, Drake is at those games and it's hard for him to not be the, the center of attention. Center of attention. It's I always, think also, I think there's always been a desire for a lot of guys, a lot of athletes, you'll find wannabe rappers. Sure. 
and a lot of rappers wish they were athletes. And I think this is one of those examples where Drake probably wishes he had better game than he did and wishes he could have played. Maybe. And he thinks it's cool to play on a team. Yeah. I would probably trade off and say, I'll be a mega superstar, hip hop, whatever you want to do. Yeah, mogul. Yeah. Right, right. And then I'll just watch the games and be the super fan like he is. Right. But everybody's got their own thing. Um, Kyrie Irving, uh, is going to be one of the most covered, uh, stories this basketball offseason. Where does his future hold for him? What team does he play for? There's a lot of speculation that he's most likely not going to return to the Boston Celtics, which begs the question, where does he go? He's been paired with Kevin Durant going to the Knicks. There were some rumors today that are yesterday that could be possibly the Brooklyn Nets uh, that he could play for. The Knicks, if he's paired with Kevin Durant, I think is an ideal situation for him, very similar to what he had in Cleveland. He's... You know, you've got A1 and A2. He's the A2. You get Kevin Durant. He's taking the majority of the blame. He's carrying most of the workload. And Kyrie's just there to get buckets when he's called on to, which is a great situation for him. The Nets are really similar to what he's had with Boston in the last couple of years. In that situation, I think might not be as attractive, but I don't know if Kyrie is aware of this. Um, Do you think he's learned his lesson? Do you think he's accepted that role? Because I don't. Uh, I don't. There, there, nothing from... Nothing that I've seen from any of his press conferences or any of the, the the sound bites that we've gotten from him in Boston lead me to believe that he's grown up in that two year span uh, right. or, or or matured um, to the degree that I think he could go to Brooklyn and carry them individually. I, I do believe that Kyrie is a number one player, mm-hmm. but I think he has to be paired to your point with another number one player. He has to have a a true peer and equal. On that team, it cannot be where where he is the alpha, um, and everybody else is 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 falling in line. You need a strong-handed leader um, to be paired with Kyrie because Kyrie's safe space is get buckets. Right, that's his. That's that's what he does. Right, and so you need a, a shelter for him. So when you know stuff goes wrong or buckets aren't, you have someone else who can do it. And to your point, take the blame some of the criticism for it. He's not. He's not built right now to be in that space where he's the number one and everything goes through and runs through and has to be answered to by Kyrie. I'm going to ask you a question. You might think it's a joke, but I'm kind of serious. If you were going to sign Kyrie Irving right. and you surveyed his social media, would you be concerned at all? Yes. So this is this is one of his things. If you put that camera right there on his Instagram post, so you got like the symbol. It's kind of like, uh, you know, I don't even know what it is. Uh, it's like he's, he's very into the Illuminati. It's a very lengthy post. My intuitive truth. I am grateful for my time capsule on this motherly earth. I am grateful. I am constantly in search for more knowledge about life, the world. Uh, I will only use it for greatness. I look up and look within. There are angels guiding spirits and synchronicities all around me. Awaken to the beauty of growth and patience, love and live free. I mean, I get it sounds kind of yogi, like a yogi. Uh, uh, I don't, but it's I, a little bizarre. Like he's had the flat earther stuff. I don't know. I would be, I would kind of want to get him in person and be like, what's this all about, man? Is this a shtick? Are you doing this for fun? Are you trolling people? Or like, I, it would concern me a little bit. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I, you'd have to take it into account. One of my sons follows Kyrie and I was, I happened to be, you know, like when I turn my phone on, cause he doesn't have a phone, it'll be on his Instagram sometimes. So a Kyrie popped up uh-huh. and it was like my light followers, like it's, it's almost cultish. Some like, like you know what I mean. It was yeah. concerning to me, so I had to read the post because I'm like, "What's my son reading on the Instagram?" I would want to know. I'd want to sit down and talk to him. My time with Kyrie, as brief as it was, I got the impression that he falls into this weird category of he doesn't really want to lead. 
right? There's a lot of work. There's a lot of responsibility. There are a lot of answers uh, that have to, to be uh, or questions that have to be answered when you're the leader, right? I don't know that he really wants that. Right. But he definitely doesn't want to follow, right? Because he's too big of a personality, too big of an alpha you know, guy to really follow. So it puts you in a really weird space when you're in a team sport, right? And I say this a lot. If you won't lead and you won't follow, but you're kind of over there, you're your own little entity. And he always kind of feels like that, where he's like his individual little entity aside from what the team – now, he's brilliant at what he does. So as long as it's great and he's giving you that, it doesn't really hurt you. But you got to have a leader, right. right, to allow him the space to just be him over here. You got to have a leader. You got to have followers, and then you got and Kyrie's going to be over there. The reason Kyrie was kind of making the news was because Danny Ainge came out and said it's unfortunate one person gets credit or blame for a team's failures. We had a lot of reasons the team did not succeed this year. Kyrie deserves his share of the blame, but not any more than anybody else. Why do you think Danny Ainge is saying this? I, I, well, first of all, I agree with it because I agree with it too. Danny Ainge shares in it also. You are the one to put that together. But don't you think this is a part of the ploy, like to say, hey, we're like. Come back to Boston. I, I listen, I don't. If Danny, I don't. Danny, I'm not sure Danny Ainge wants Kyrie back in Boston. Really? I'm not. I mean, so you think because I agree with him too. It's an intoxicating talent. Yeah, it's hard to watch him do what he does and say, "Man, we don't need that." Right. I can make an argument, and the numbers would probably back it up that you were better without that. Yep. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, if if you're Danny Ainge, I'm not sure that you're doing that. Um, Brett Stevens deserves blame for what happened last year. There was a, there's enough blame to go around. So I agree with him. I don't mean to slam Kyrie. Right. But that entity that is Kyrie, I don't know that, I don't know that Danny Ainge, or, or if it, Danny Ainge watched enough basketball. He, ha, he watched what happened to that team when they took a bunch of young kids and a, and a, and a motivated underdog mentality and, and took it all the way to the Eastern Conference Finals. And then he watched what happened when you plugged back in Kyrie and Gordon Hayward. Danny Ainge isn't stupid. Yep. You know? Right. He's going to make a good decision no matter what. All right, welcome back to Kinnell and Bell. Uh, we had an emergency phone call during the break right yeah. there. One, yeah. uh, Dia Bell yeah, had Bell. an emergency on the, the, what was he, on the pond? Yeah, he was, uh, on, he was, he was on the lake, uh, the, the rattle trap, the yep. old rattle trap that he uses to catch the peacock bass apparently it snapped. Right. He ties not well. Kind of very upset. He was very upset. Gotta, gotta get that taken care of <laughs> later on. It's summertime, so don't be surprised. There's emergency <laughs> phone calls. We, we're dads. Right. You we're gonna take, take those calls yeah. on the fly, you know, anytime that's out there. You might, might have lost a golf club. And he's home something. alone, he's home alone right oh, now. So boy. I had to make sure, yeah, I'd make sure everything was alright. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, Trent Williams, uh, offensive lineman for the Washington Redskins has demanded a trade. Is it contractual? Maybe some of it, but there's a different reason, according to Jason LaConfora of CBS Sports, that Trent Williams' issues with the Skins are not financial at all. Mm-hmm. According to numerous sources with knowledge of the situation, he's told teammates he has demanded a trade or is released from the club due to their handling of his recent medical situation. He has vowed not to play for them. He is a stud. Um, he's a really good offensive lineman. Warren Sharp, who's a great follow on Twitter if you uh, like football or any, uh, he's just a great follow. He's got some really uh, interesting stats and he does some interesting uh, film breakdown. Had this stat uh, from Football Outsiders. The last five years, no team has lost more players to injury than the Redskins. Their games lost to injury is 44% above the average. Wow. So you're starting to see some of these signs creep in. Like maybe Trent Williams is on to something here. Yep. Uh, it's a really interesting dynamic. My dad, full disclosure, was a team doctor for the Miami Dolphins for about 20 years. Uh, thankfully, never found himself in this position. But it is an interesting. I've, I've never heard of a player saying, hey, it's either me or the medical staff. Yeah. They're going. 
But if he's disgruntled, I guarantee you it's not just him by himself. Right. Yeah. And he's a player who's in a position to maybe get something done. This is a first. Um, I I wonder how, how many teams does Trent Williams play for? Is this is this only home? The yeah, I think teams? he was drafted by them. I'll double check that. Um, okay, so that's interesting too because sometimes and I. I caught a lot of slack, like, um, from Utah fans years ago about saying something about kind of Gordon Hayward getting out and seeing how other organizations did things because the way they were doing it at the time in Utah mm-hmm. was a little dated and yep. other people had, had moved on. Um, but sometimes you can be a guy who's only been in one place and never really know what it's like anywhere else. So you're accustomed. This is what it is. This is the norm, you right. know? I have been a lot of places in my career, like a journeyman, like luckily and to some degree unluckily, right? Like right. I journeyed. So I saw a lot of different stuff. I played on teams with state of the art, cutting edge, technologically savvy, uh, medical staffs and, and training staffs. Yep. And I played on some that were dinosaurs and, and, and not just you, not, not Utah. Like I want to be clear about that. Like I played on others where it was ice and stim. Right. Um, the doctors were, you know, not the greatest doctors. It right. happens. So they run the gamut. It's interesting that Trent Williams haven't only been there can feel that like, see that stat we have right on the screen right there. Right. That'd be your first warning sign. Hasn't played a full season since 2013. Well, there you go. He was drafted by them. Fourth overall pick. He's been one of the better players in the NFL. Um, as far as the offensive line is concerned, I always wondered, and I asked you off, off air, yeah. right? How do you, if you're a team doctor, I was fascinating, right? Cause you get to put your name as the like, yeah, uh, Cleveland clinic, you, you, the team doctors. Yeah. Like, so to me, it seemed like that relationship was purely whoever strokes the biggest check, like to the team. In some circumstances, it can be. On it, right? Yeah. Like, I always felt like that's a, that's a kind of conflict of interest, right? Like, cause I can pay you the most. Right. Like, it doesn't really matter how good of a doctor I am. I know that they don't interview doctors every year. Like, once you're the no. team doctor, yeah. or the team chiropractor, or the team, like, orthopedist, like, whatever it is, you are them. Like, until your relationship dissolves. Right. With either ownership, or something like that. You just stay in that place. Or as long as you're kind of on the norm, I would say. But like if, if the Washington Redskins ownership, Daniel Snyder, let's say he takes a look at this situation is like, all right, let's see what Trent Williams has got. Is he a disgruntled player because of a contract, which JLC said no? Or is he onto something? You start looking up some of these they, stats. You have to start saying, let, let me look at this. Yeah, but stat. why would I, my question would be, why does Trent Williams doing this? have to be the impetus for you looking into why you are the most injured team in the NFL over the last like you should have been all over this right a while ago a while ago um so they also had another offensive tackle Morgan Moses has said it's about time someone like that stands up which is interesting cuz you've got one of the better offensive linemen in the league right. got some clout who can stand up and say it because another player might get cut you know, yeah, if you, yeah, if you start barking and saying stuff it doesn't matter what if you're right a lot of times uh Moses said it's not just the situation here, it happens throughout the league. To have one of our peers like Trent to stand up like that means a lot. Uh, his scare is one you never want to have, but you've got to take care of yourself. Uh, here's, so here's the dynamic, cause, yeah, it, there are differences on different teams. When I was drafted by the New York Giants, one of the first conversations I had with my dad was, all right, what happens if I get hurt? He's like, you're in good hands, right? right? When I was in the Atlanta right. Falcons, same conversation. I needed surgery. My dad's like, why don't you come down here and let my group do it? And I was like, all right. I knew what that meant. Right. And they're since long gone. Like there will be turnover within organization. My dad has a philosophy. If there was a player who wasn't happy or didn't agree with him, no, my dad would say, go get another opinion. By all means, if you don't feel comfortable with this, um, go do it. But you've got a dynamic where sometimes the coach may really like a doctor because he's going to do whatever the coach says. Right. Hey, I need that guy to play no matter what. 
and he gets a doctor kind of in his back pocket, that happens all the time. I need you to shoot him up for me right. so that he can play. And, you know, a lot of doctors would do that. My dad had a lot of circumstances with John Shula where my dad's like, no, I'm not shooting him up. And it, like, yeah. he'd get screamed at by Don Shula and he's like, I'm not doing it. You know, it's going to put the guys at risk. No, that's good. So there are different situations and it's, it, I had the advantage being able to call on somebody who had done it for that a long a time advantage. and who knew the connections, who was in the network and kind of knew a lot of these guys unfortunately aren't. And a lot, yeah. I mean, see, so your dad was an ethically sound team doctor, it sounds like. Right. Not all of them are. Like right. the agendas that go through, you know, the politics that go on behind closed doors with getting guys to play and not even force. I played for teams where it wasn't like they were going to force you to play because no one can force you to do it. Right. But man, they can pressure you. They guilt the hell out of you, man. <laughs> yeah. They would make you sitting on the sidelines such a miserable life that you'd almost want to play injured, right? right? Because you're like, I don't want to go through that. Why do you think the treatment times are at like 5.36 a.m.? Yeah. Because professional athletes, that's the last thing they want to do is have to wake up and get there two or three hours before anybody else. Yeah. It's to spur them on so that they can get healthy enough and so they don't have to go there. Look, NBA teams, I am not going to say any names, but... <laughs> Typically, if you have a, a, a relatively mild injury that might cost you a game or two, like you're still going to go on that road trip, right? Yeah. Like you're going to get the treatment and stuff. Now, if you've got an ACL, you ain't going to play again. You'll stay, right. you'll stay home. I played for a team where it got so bad. Like they, if you said you were injured or if you had something, they weren't, you, you had to stay home. Really? Like it was almost punishment. Like you don't get to go on the trip. If for maybe I could play in game two. They didn't care. Like it was like, if you ain't playing, you, you got to stay home. I, and I'm like, you know, that just doesn't seem like a way to treat people as any business. Like you want your employees are probably going to perform better if they're happier and they feel appreciated in any business. And it's funny that it happens at every level at every company, no matter whether it's, uh, you know, your basic business, your mortgage company or, you know, whatever it is, or if it's an NBA franchise, it's crazy how it works. It's kind of the same anywhere you go. The big guys, you know, they don't get a lot of credit from time to time. And, and you know, there's some abilities, innate abilities that people just have. And uh, and he's got it. And I'm really proud of him. Uh, yeah, I kind of said what I what I said. You know, if you want to go scotch, I feel pretty good about it. But as far as those other guys, you know, uh, you know, for some of them, there's finally a, a talent where they can, you know, they can say they're better than me at. Oh, he's throwing some shade. He's showing, showing some serious shade. Oh, right. at smile at the end. Matthew Stafford, uh. at Josh Allen. Uh. At, he ain't showing it to Patrick Mahomes. He better not be because he better watch out. <laughs> um, it's great. I love it because that's the only way he could respond. Because the way he performed the beer chug, it was awful. It was about as bad as it goes. Do you know? What did he mean by if they want to go scotch, I feel comfortable? Like you're going to well, So he was talking scotch? first. So this is what happened. David Bakhtiari, the offensive lineman who he was going back and forth with at the Bucks game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That night after uh the game, when he got embarrassed by Bakhtiari, he pounded three, like right. boom, boom, Bye-bye. boom. Uh, he went on Twitter and he said, you win this round, but if it's scotch, I'm taking you down. So he was continuing that saying if it was a scotch chugging contest that he would win. Who chugs scotch? I, exactly. I don't know. It's, it's, I would, I I think I would gag like, just what are you a talking bit. about? <laughs> yes. By the way, David Bakhtiari weighed in. Remember we showed my beer chug challenge yeah. the other day? Yeah. Somebody tagged him on it and said, what did you think of this one? Yep. And Bakhtiari tweeted out, too much spilling for my liking. Yes. It's a chugging challenge, not a spilling challenge. Ew. <laughs> so he was fired. I gotta get a video up. I'm you gonna do what, it. I'm doing it this afternoon. You know what though? I am, I am smarter than to try to challenge back or anything. Yeah. You're right. He's the, he's the goat right now of beer chugs. So I'm going to stay away from that Taking one altogether. But yeah, Aaron Rodgers, that's the only way he could handle it. Um, the Chicago Bears have had a mess 
at their quarter, uh, quarterback, uh, their quarterback position is all right with Mitchell Trubisky. Their kicker has been an absolute disaster. Cody Parkey, uh, misses one of their biggest Jupiter's kicks. Jupiter's finest? Yeah, Jupiter's finest. I'm sure he's a great dude. But, uh, he goes on GMA. They, it's a big issue. They still have problems finding a kicker. So they currently have three kickers on their roster. Yeah. The way I've seen coaches try to put pressure on kickers at the end of practice, I'm curious to know if they do this at NBA games, like for a free throw or something else. No, they do not. They don't. They don't try to simulate anything in practice? Money? Bets? Oh, we bet all the time, but it's not really, I don't. So here's the way it would go down yeah. at, the, at the end of practice, you're, you're tired, you know on the schedule it says four gassers after yeah. practice, which are a bear, like you, the last thing you want to do. So the coach will bring the whole team up, and he'll say, alright, you know, Rajah Bell, you're up, and it's the kicker. Yeah. You nail this 45 yarder, we get to go home. If you miss it, we're running those oh, four true, gassers. So true. there's a lot of pressure on you. Yeah. And then the players will come, or even better, he'll say, all right, offense gets off, defense has to run. So then the, whoever has to run yeah. will be like heckling, yelling, and they'll right, do all right, this. Right, and right, right. The kicker's either the hero or the goat. So you try to simulate that I pressure. I was mistaken. That, that has happened from time to time. Yes. Right. So Matt Nagy says, tried a different approach. He said, we've tried to go Augusta silence and flipping the script on them because Kickers are used to playing in loud stadiums. They're right. used to kind of these situations, trying to mix it up. Everything's quiet. Put him in his own head a little bit. Which I kind of like. And I've yeah. noticed that in basketball games, sometimes you're at the home arena and it gets so quiet, especially in a high school game yeah. or something, where it's like, oh, gosh, everybody's watching me. They, they're just like, they're I'd not doing their own thing right now. A little bit, right. yes. I've played in these celebrity golf tournaments where I prefer – Everybody kind of yelling like, like I don't want everybody like I don't want right. to hear everybody's like, ooh, that was a bad shot. I'd rather everybody like louder. When the people are yelling, you feel like they have their own thing going on, right? And you can you can kind of trick yourself into believing that they're doing something other than just having every eye glued on you, right? Like, right. They might be in a in, in in a conversation, they're not even looking at me. When everything is like dead silent, you feel every eyeball, right? Like, you know it's glued to you, and that's a whole other level of pressure. So I'm I'm, I'm okay with that. I just. Like where if we're if we're the Bears now, this is what we've come to to find a kicker. Like where we've got to well, I, but I do think the wheel in terms no, of but having I, to find pressure pack situations <laughs> to just find an adequate kicker. Like, I, but no, but I think this because it's really hard sometimes to figure out what, and especially because it's one position. Like if there are a bunch of receivers, and you might have a guy, and it happens every year in training camp. There's a guy who goes off. He's awesome in practice. Yeah, he's incredible. Catches everything. Flies by everybody. And then it, it usually happens every year. A guy gets in a game. All of a sudden, there's got there's defense, there's pads, there's hitting, and he crumbles. He starts dropping everything. You're like, right. what happened to this guy? He's a practice hero. Same thing can happen with kickers. Right. And it's worse because you get even exposed more, and you could have the whole game riding on the line. So I actually like the approach of trying to simulate something that puts a tremendous amount of pressure. Because if you had them all go out there and just kick and say, all right, you guys all get 50 kicks. Whoever has the highest percentage, we're going to keep. I don't think that's the best way to determine it either. Can you explain to me this is this is a, like I never understood why, how a football game right mm-hmm. you played football and you've thrown the ball and you've run the ball and you've blocked and you've tackled for like I don't know however many minutes right and the game hinges on somebody coming out there Hate and it. kick it through the uprights Hate it so he ain't had nothing to do with the whole damn game and that's Hate what it. we're gonna live or die with the result from it this would dude? be like in basketball if you come and had you had a game go back and forth NBA finals rapid yeah. Warriors back and forth and then you said hold on game's tied. We're going to go get the equipment manager, yes. have him shoot some free throws. Yeah. And he might be a good free throw shooter, but it doesn't have any meaning on anything in the game. I have never understood that with football. I don't either. Like, Apologies you, to the kickers, but you guys really aren't. Well, I ain't apologizing to no kickers. Like, you know how I feel about the kickers. We've talked about this, like, yes. with my son's team. Like, I just don't understand how that decides so many football games, and it's got nothing to do with the damn game itself. 
It is an interesting dynamic, uh, no doubt. There's going to be a new dynamic in college basketball as well as the NCAA has decided to move back the three-point line. I think they made one mistake, though. Huh. They moved it back a little bit, so now it's the same as the international line. Why right. not just make it the same as the NBA three-point line? Then it's an easier transition for everybody. You go back, it's a better way to evaluate them. I think it does probably discourage some teams from going to all this three and D and just going to jacking up threes. Right. Uh, but it would just be easier continuity across the game. Um, yeah, I mean, there are a lot of things. that Like, Coca had a great point. Like, they're still playing halves. You know, yeah, everyone else is stupid. Even women's women. basketball, college basketball, experimented with the halves, didn't like it. Now they're back at quarters. Why doesn't the men's? I don't know. Um, you know, it's not a strength issue. I, I understand why, while kids and high school players probably you're not backing it that far up. Like they're yep. not as strong and you're talking about form issues and stuff. But by the time you're in college, I mean, you, you're, I was the strongest I ever was in college. Like my junior year, they can shoot from the NBA line. I don't understand it. Yeah, doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I think it'll be interesting to watch it though. But I think it would have been better for them to go uh, to the full NBA one. All right, big show lined up tomorrow. You know who's making his debut? One Will Middlebrooks. Well, yeah, we got our baseball talk coming tomorrow. And, and we baseball. got Tony Finau, right? And Tony Finau. Oh my yeah. God, we got a superstar show. <laughs>